Hello everyone and welcome to the Women of Blockchain podcast by Cointelligence Academy, where we provide a unique and impartial blockchain and crypto education. I'm your host Laura Salomidou and our today's guest is Queen Tran, who is the Chief Product Officer at CryptoCompare. Queen shared with us her story about discovering and transitioning into blockchain from traditional banking. During our conversation, we focused on data. We talked about the difference between crypto and traditional financial market data. We discussed data integrity and the role that market data services play in growing the sector, making it more reliable and robust. Queen also shared some details around how a market data service works under the hood with examples of CryptoCompare's API product. I'd also like to take a moment and mention that this episode has been delivered to you in collaboration with Public, a search engine that is powered by people and fueled by its own token economy, rewarding the entire web ecosystem using the community's collaborative efforts, AI and blockchain to revolutionize the web. So thanks for joining again and don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss out on the future episodes. And for now, let's enjoy our interview with Queen. Hi, Queen. How are you today? Hi, Laura. Very good. Thanks. Happy to be here. Amazing. So why don't we start with your background? So how did you get into the blockchain industry? Well, the story, I guess, started in 2016. I was still working in investment banking and just started uh, thinking about moving to a different industry. I was looking for something a bit more interesting. Um, I was studying finance and, and, you know, investment banking was kind of an obvious choice. Uh, I spent three years in a, in a German investment bank and just wanted to look around a bit. Um, so I started attending meetups and hackathons around tech. Tech sounded like a very exciting industry to be in with all these cool uh, companies trying to save the world. And in terms of finance, I think blockchain was one of the most exciting topics that came up back then. And um, my boss sent me to a conference where uh, I first heard about blockchain, especially in terms of smart contracts on Ethereum. And I remember uh, seeing Vitalik talking uh, about how Ethereum works and all the use cases. And I was just very excited about that. So I wanted to see what this smart contract thing is really about. And I found this very interesting hackathon um, organized by the Ethereum Foundation uh, at the Thomson Reuters building. And yeah, I just went there. I, I just started learning to code. So I had like minimal uh, knowledge about HTML, CSS, I could do a few apps, uh, but not a lot. Um, so I wanted to really attend hackathons to, to, to learn. So what this thing was about was that just, you know, a bunch of uh, devs and, and techie people coming together, trying to build something overnight uh, using the smart contract scripting language called uh, Solidity. It was completely new for me. I just did a quick tutorial before the hackathon and yeah, I just went there without any expectations. And I would have never guessed that I would get a job there because one of um, the sponsors of the event was 
uh, Crypto Compare, the, the company where I work today. Um, I met the founders there, um, Vlad and Charlie. Um, that is had, a very fun story. So what, what would you say, if we break it down, what, do you, mm -hmm. what would you say attracts you the most about the industry? So there, usually there are two answers. Uh, one is the more appropriate one, which is, you know, the technology is super exciting and, and the value proposition of blockchain that it solves uh, trust issues uh, and blockchain best use case is uh, payments really, uh, which you can see by, you know, just how Bitcoin has been up and running since over 10 years now. Um, so yeah, for me, that was very exciting. But on the other hand, on a more personal level, I just really wanted to be somewhere very exciting, uh, somewhere where it feels a bit like a wild west and there are a lot of opportunities to build things from scratch. And this is how it felt like uh, in crypto back then and just being a bit more entrepreneurial. This is a truly inspirational story, the way you got into it. And I think not many people, well, necessarily taking hackathons seriously, but hackathons are, you know, these daunting environments that only tech people go. But it was so nice to hear that, you know, you went there with minimal experience, no expectations, and you came out with, with a job. That's, that's brilliant. Um, but so now speaking of Crypto Compare, so what is your role there? What do you do exactly? And what is actually Crypto Compare is all about? That's also an interesting story, what my current role is, uh, because when I joined the company, uh, I joined as a junior developer. Uh, but then, you know, as the company grew after a year, uh, I was leading a tech team, um, mainly focusing on integrating with exchanges. Uh, and then uh, I was working on building out the index business, index calculation business. And uh, after another year and a half, uh, since last April, uh, I've been the chief product officer of the company, um, looking after the roadmap and um, setting the strategy and the vision of the company. So yeah, another point or another reason why it's so exciting to be in this industry is that you just have a massive, uh, very steep learning curve and a lot of opportunities to to advance very quickly in your career. Out of curiosity, so you kind of had this choice between moving into more technical role as you joined as a developer and as a junior developer or moving into more of a product side. So why did you choose product as opposed to more the, the technical side of things? I don't think I uh, chose the role. Uh, the role chose me. Uh, okay. I think, yeah. One interesting thing about working at a startup is that you just have to do whatever it takes to, to bring success for the company. And the need was in the product and more business um, area. So that's where I had it. But do you still get to do the things that sort of you like, the things you got excited about more around the coding side of things? Yeah, of course. But to be honest, uh, I never saw myself as a as a developer. Uh, I think I was a horrible developer and I'm still <laughs> okay. feeling <laughs> ashamed of some of the code that I wrote in the early days. And now, you know, that we can hire better developers, they actually uh, have to fix all the things that I wrote back then. So <laughs> wow. uh, I, 
I guess that's funny. But um, yeah, I, I still do a lot of technical things because the, the, the industry is just very technical. Uh, our service is very technical. Uh, and at the same time, I think I never really um, thought I can do the same thing for a very long time. My attention span is very bad, actually. So in a product role, that's the best part, which is like uh, I jump into the technical stuff, but then I do some business, I do some marketing, but again, some data analysis. So yeah, it's, it's a very wide range of things. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So just coming back to crypto compare and what, um, what do they do? If you want to give like an overview for our listeners about the project. Um, so the official um, description of what we do is crypto compare is a global leader in digital asset data providing to institutional corporates and retail customers. Um, so what this means is that we integrate with different data sources, uh, primarily with exchanges, and we do various data processing, uh, like cleaning, outlier detection, standardization. Uh, we add some intelligence and analytics on top, so we calculate different aggregations, we calculate indices, uh, metrics, and then we serve this to customers in various forms that best caters for their use cases. I look after a few teams. Um, I have a product team, so we are basically responsible for everything around planning uh, and also delivering products. Um, so that means that I also have to work a lot with sales and, and marketing to really understand the user needs and, and push our products. But at the same time, uh, I'm also working with the developer teams um, to see what's, what's possible or where they might want to bring the product. So really just coordinating across the whole organization to, to you know, um, identify synergies and just bring the best out of the company. Uh, yeah, I know it's very vague, but on a day-to-day, -day, that basically means that I look at data, I... Uh, talk to people, I talk to customers, I talk to partners. So a lot of, yeah, just coordination. So interesting. So I'd like to dive a little bit into the different aspects of um, of what Crypto Compare does, because I think it's so important. Um, so why don't we move towards talking a little bit about the crypto assets and the different types of market data. And I think to start with, it would be nice to set the scene and, and, and give some basic um, definitions and what are the differences between the crypto market data and the more traditional financial market data? Yeah, so when you talk about market data, that basically means that um, data uh, about trading on exchanges. And why do people care about this? Um, because that might help them either do some analysis for their future trading or um, some research um, or to build other products on top of them. So what we do is, um, as I said before, we collect data from different exchanges, and then this data goes through various stages of standardization, sorry, standardization, cleaning, uh, aggregation, and so on. Um, I think one of the, the main challenges of um, digital asset data is that the quality of um, the data can vary a lot. So when you look at traditional financial markets, exchange data usually 
costs a lot. So as a, as a data vendor or, or data aggregator like Bloomberg or Reuters, you would need to go to exchanges and pay a fee to the exchange to get their feeds. So in crypto, this is completely the opposite. Exchanges provide their data for free, which is great for, for data aggregators, but it means two things. One, um, the quality of the data is not standardized or even set at all. Um, and two, it also means that anybody can access this data. So it would you know, pose the question of why would we need data aggregators like CryptoCompareDen? Well, the main value we are adding is the cleaning and the standardization process because that's what's lacking in this space. And um, believe me, that's a full-time job. Yeah, so the amount of issues we have with, with data, not only in terms of um, the data quality, but also the API quality of different exchanges, managing their downtimes, managing their inconsistent data formats, and so on. Um, we have a huge data analytics team. We have a data quality assurance um, process. And uh, our whole business is basically based on managing this process for the end user who can then just take this data, take it for granted and, and run with it. And if we kind of, and I'd like to spend a little bit more time talking about the, the quality of data and the processes of how you guys do it. But before we do that, maybe if we zoom out a little bit and just talk about the role that the, the market data services play and how do they support the growth of the sector? Yeah, sure. Um, so this industry is very data driven, especially on the trading side. Uh, and the reason for that is that the, the main use case for blockchain is still payments. Um, so I think 2017, so a huge uh, boom in ICOs. And that's because, you know, the, the Ethereum platform enabled uh, a lot of projects to just start their own issue their own tokens um, and that's why we saw a massive boom in digital asset data as well so i think the amount of data that we are um, collecting over the last three four sorry um, five six years uh, has maybe 10x really and um, that also means that, um, yeah, we, we have to work a lot harder to, to make this accessible for people. Why do people care about this? Well, there are a lot of services now around um, crypto data. Um, you have wallets, you have data analytics uh, services, you need to pay tax uh, on your crypto trading, and there are a lot of uh, financial services built around um, digital asset trading as well. Um, and all of these services need data. And that's where CryptoCompare positions itself. We are a building block for all these services. So what does your data come from exactly? They come from mainly uh, digital asset exchanges through their APIs. So how many different exchanges that you get your information from? Altogether, uh, we have around 250, close to 300 exchange integrations. Um, but I think only around 190 are currently active because a lot of exchanges went uh, out of business uh, throughout the years. 
And in terms of like, if, if I'm understanding it correctly, you're providing um, cryptocurrency trade data, right? But apart from that, is there any other data you're providing? Well, um, trading data. Um, so yeah, we are we are collecting mainly trading data. So it means that um, um, executed trades and uh, order book data. Uh, and of course, a lot of, additional metrics or, or data sets built on top of this data set. So order book and, and trade are the most granular level of data you can get, but a lot of times you don't need it. Uh, a lot of the users might only care about uh, daily granularity or you know total volume across all exchanges and so on. So, so we build all of this as well because uh, otherwise our users would need to do it and it would take quite a bit of time and resources for them to do this. Sure. And I'm guessing you also provide historical data or any like demographic data potentially or geographical. Is that also part of the proposition? So we do have some, uh, we call it uh, static or meta data. So if you go on our website, we have uh, descriptions uh, of of each uh, crypto assets, uh, but also on wallets and exchanges and other um, services uh, of this industry. So yes, we do have some of uh, that data as well, um, but that's not the, the focus of, of our uh, value proposition. So how about you mentioned quite a few times about the process they're going through with standardizing and cleaning the data. So could you give a few examples of um, of how it's done and hold the, the groundwork that goes in. Yeah, sure. Um, so the way uh, we collect data is that we just take whatever the, the exchanges report uh, at face value and uh, we store them. And the cleaning and standardizing process comes later because what we are trying to achieve here is that um, if we ever make a mistake in the standardization or cleaning process, we can always go back to the raw data. And so how does the standardization or cleaning look like? We have um, something called the mapping. So for example, each asset um, on each exchange might be called differently. So Bitcoin might be called XBT on Kraken, but BTC on Coinbase and yeah, this is a very simple, uh, simple example, but uh, things can get uh, complicated very quickly with, with some other coins. We also have issues with um, two completely different tokens being called the same. I also wanted to ask you, in the last couple of months, um, the volatility of many crypto assets and trading volumes has increased because of the, the COVID situation. And I'm wondering what impact did it have on your platform and your operations? So the highest traffic day was around um, 13th of March when we saw our trades uh, doubling compared to normal levels. Um, the hourly number of trades uh, went from 70 million to 150 million and yeah we we saw that quite a few exchanges struggled to to cope with the data yeah for for us it was actually business as usual we um for us um it wasn't historically this wasn't the the highest traffic day i think one of the the worst ones were 
I think end of 2017 when Bitcoin went up to almost 20,000. Um, so then we saw our API usage was at around 180 million calls per, uh, per hour, which normally is more like around 50 million. You know, like it, it was a lot crazier back then. Well, it's really impressive that you managed to, you know, in, in this sort of volumes, you managed to operate um, business as usual. Yeah, <laughs> um, because uh, so we built our infrastructure in a way that it can be very easily scalable. Uh, and yeah, I think for us, it was just, you know, the DevOps team, maybe uh, adding a few more virtual machines to, to our services, but nothing major. That's impressive. It's good to know that, you know, we have this robust solutions that, you know, operate no matter what. But Quinn, I also wanted to dive a little bit deeper onto the data integrity side of things um, that we've mentioned a few times already, but it would be good to hear how uh, do you think technology evolves to provide the end consumer with the reliable and objective data? So what we realized over the last couple of years is that, um, a lot of um, so we do have a lot of automated solutions for cleaning the data you know detect outliers and and um, filter out bad data um, but at the end of the day we realize that we also have to do a lot of just you know very rational kind of uh, analysis on on the data set that we are integrating with and when the number of exchanges started growing exponentially so I remember when I joined we had around 30 exchanges and then now you know we have close to 300 uh, it's like okay we really need to take a step back and understand uh, the data sources and we realize that a lot of times we can filter out complete data sets um, by just looking at the the quality of, of the exchange. And you would be surprised um, how wide the range is in terms of quality for exchanges. And um, that's why we started this project called the, the Exchange Benchmarking. Um, so what it is about is we look at exchanges in five different categories and we basically do a due diligence research on, on each of the exchanges. And based on that, uh, we came up with a grading system where we can say you know like uh, these data sources we can trust uh, we think they are um, providing good quality data their api adheres to certain rules and certain formats and we will uh, take their data as it is uh, but for other exchanges uh, we can say that okay we are not sure about them maybe because um, they don't have a um, you know public uh, team or they we didn't find their legal entity and so on so we don't know a lot about the exchange so our confidence in their data is also low um, yeah that's how simple it is and so how about the method like transparent methodology like index calculation so how does that work and, and why is it important yeah, so so index calculation is super exciting. Actually, uh, it's kind of an underrated um, service, but for me, the the exciting part of it is that um, you can build a lot of very exciting products on top of indices, 
and it's it matters a lot because when you start making financial decisions on certain data then for me uh, it means that you need to have a very uh, strict and transparent methodology on how that data was calculated um, it's it can be you know any any data set really not only indices um, so just imagine that you know you you need to take uh, you need to pay your taxes and you need to take um, a price point which will determine your tax amount then you want to make sure that that data point is very accurate and fair and um, making sure that you you paid the right amount of tax um, but there might be more important decisions as well like for example if uh, an index is used for um, settling uh, futures contracts or derivatives then you know you also want to make sure that that price cannot be manipulated because then maybe someone wants to pay less or or make sure that uh, others pay more then they can just um, change or manipulate the the data so that the outcome serves them uh, that's why transparent methodology and strict uh, index calculation processes are so important. And so Quinn, speaking of how it all works, so the API that you have and what is its purpose? Yeah, sure. So the purpose of our API is to give access to different clients to our market data, really. And the way we do it is we provide both historical and real-time data. So our architecture is built on um, a lot and a lot of microservices, uh, each of them responsible for some small logical unit of data calculation. Let me just give you an example. Um, let's say we um, want to collect data from five different exchanges and then uh, create a index calculation service that um, aggregates the five exchanges and um, what the user wants to get is um, let's say a historical daily data set in an api so the way we build this up is that there are five different microservices that collect data from exchanges um, and then there would be um, a few data services um, that aggregate these data sets into an index calculation and uh, on top of this, there would be another um, service that aggregates the index real-time data set into a daily aggregated data set. So this way we can serve both real-time and um, daily aggregated data in our, uh, in our API. Uh, and what the user would get is just you know, a constant stream of data and they don't need to worry about all the things that, um, that happen under the hood. Um, so that's a very brief um, explanation of our architecture. Sure. So who would you say are your typical API clients and sort of what kind of volumes of clients uh, do you have? Yeah, it's um, quite interesting. Uh, we just did uh, this user analysis for, for our Q2 roadmap planning. And um, so we have around 2 million um, users of, of the API. And... Um, 
that there is no typical user actually. We are so um, diversely distributed across different industries, you know, from tax consultancy to, to app developers, to wallets, to trading, to exchanges themselves, you know, like literally everything and not only crypto, but non-crypto as well, like uh, news and media, advertising and so on. And I think that's, that's where our strength is, uh, that we just, our data just have so many use cases um, that we can reach every industry. CryptoCompare is really on a very, very important mission to make this industry a lot more transparent and, and trustworthy and reliable. So that's, that's so important. And um, Queen, we have a few minutes um, left and I would like to talk to you a little bit about the topic that interests us a lot at Cointelligence and it's about diversity. Uh, we talked to all our guests at the end about this and I'd like to hear about what do you think can be done to make the blockchain space in general more attractive to, to more women? That's quite interesting. Um, so I've been hiring and interviewing a lot of people for Crypto Compare and I think the, the main pattern I've seen why someone, why women would be more reluctant to join us or join um, this industry is because they feel like there might not be, you know, a, a long-term enough or a safe enough uh, career progression for them, uh, which is fair. Like all, all women are, are very ambitious and they should look at their, their long-term opportunities. But I think the, this industry is still very young, so a lot of people might think that in a couple of years, maybe nothing, nothing of all this hype will be there anymore. Uh, none of the companies uh, will be there anymore and so on. But actually, this is not true. And I'm just hoping that more and more uh, women will realize that uh, there are a lot of very respectable firms uh, already in, in this industry. Uh, there are a lot of very exciting places uh, to work at. And to be honest, the knowledge that um, they would bring, you know, from, from traditional industries like finance or, or uh, tech or literally any industry would be super valuable because it, it, it might sound very technical, um, the blockchain uh, as a technology, but actually on a day-to-day, -day, for example, I don't work at all with cryptography or, or the blockchain itself, what I'm doing is actually just, you know, normal product management. But I think probably just having more respectable companies speak up and make themselves visible will, will help more women get into this industry. Well, that's, a, that's a very interesting observation that you made because, yeah, very often uh, people will say that, well, women don't try, don't find it particularly attractive because, um, it's too technical or because there is not enough actual products being developed on the blockchain. But like you said, I think it's, it's true. It's not the case. And, and there are so many opportunities and it is changing because we are moving away from hype and more to, you know, to the, the real solutions that are built on blockchain and adding a lot of value like crypto compare, for example. But how about your personal sort of journey, if you will? So how much time do you invest in staying up to date with the industry and learn yeah i think i'm learning every day uh i still have to push myself so much and and there are so many things that uh just come up 
literally every day and I have no idea about like um, I think I, I will need to uh, even today uh, I will need to read a bit but I think um, the important thing is really to identify the areas that is interesting for for you or you know for uh, whoever um, it is for example internally what we do is uh, we have book clubs uh, with my team so we try to kind of crowdsource the learning so if anyone finds anything interesting then we'll do a, a TLDR uh, basically session uh, which means that um, someone does the reading and then they summarize it and then they just tell the rest of the group uh, what it was about and we have to do that not only with um, blockchain related things but with anything really because we are a very young company um, we have to learn a lot even things like you know how to do product management because uh, I actually didn't even have a background on <laughs> on this before um, so yeah the, the learning is is constant and I don't think you should ever stop that is a great uh, practice that you guys do love it so if can you think of any other tips that you could give for someone specifically a woman but anyone in general who is considering getting into space and what kind of things they can do or attend or read so any tips would be very helpful uh yeah sure um unfortunately in the lockdown it's quite hard but um <laughs> true I, yeah i i used to go to a lot of meetups uh, i think that's the best place where you can meet people you know you can see that they are real and uh you can ask questions and um yeah but i think there are a lot of uh webinars now so yeah I, i'm pretty sure there is still a lot of things i think the key thing is just get get a bit obsessed with something and just go all the way and and read everything about it and and learn everything about it and definitely you will find something yeah, it's, it's true, because I think if you start reading about everything um, and without sort of having a purpose or a particular target within what you're looking for, it's much harder to get not just excited, but in general, be, be able to take actions. Well, uh, Queen, this has been great. Thank you so much for sharing all the insights and all the tips. It's been really interesting. Where could listeners find you online? I'm mostly active on LinkedIn, so you can find me under my name queen trantan brilliant i will add a link to that at the end of the episode um do you have any closing thoughts anything you would like to add or share i think this industry is super exciting i when i quit uh investment banking uh i was very scared and you know it was also a big decision for my family because i'm leaving a respectable job for something completely new but honestly i never looked back uh best years of my life uh, a lot of highs and lows uh, but I think you really need that to to feel like you're alive so yeah I can just recommend uh, taking some risks sometimes and getting to something new yeah that's amazing super inspirational thank you for that well Quinn you have a great day and I hope we'll we'll talk to you soon again on a different episode Thanks so much for joining us today. Please check the notes section of this podcast to find the information that Gwyn has shared. 
If you enjoyed listening to this episode of the Women of Blockchain podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share. And don't forget, if you are looking to learn more about blockchain, there is a lot of content on cointelligence.com. So please visit and choose the topic that interests you the most. Thanks again, and I'll catch you all on the next episode.